All right. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Good Shepherd Sunday. Um, when I read today's scripture, um, like something just jumped out at me. Um, when I noticed that hands were everywhere, God's hands, Jesus's hands, the hands of these religious leaders that we'll see. And it caused me to ask a question that I hear all the time. So anyone who's been watching like the NBA playoffs, these commercials have been on all the time. Um, anyone know Allstate's tagline? What is it? Yeah. They say this at the end of every single one of their commercials. Are you in good hands? Right? And so there's one recent one that I really like. Um, Mayhem, my, my favorite uh, commercial TV actor, walks up and pushes like the ring doorbell. Do we, do we know this one? And Jeff, <laughs> the homeowner, answers the phone. Um, and he's like, hey, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm Mayhem. I'm a, I'm a car thief. I'm here to steal your car. And the guy's like, what? What? And they go back and forth with what's because he's at a sporting event watching this on his phone. And Mayhem takes the flagpole out from his door and smashes the window of his car, hops in, takes it for a joyride. Welcome, Scotty. Um, and backs over his motorcycle, like, on the way out, and then, and then rolls off, right? And then they always say the same thing. At the end of all their Mayhem commercials, they say, get Allstate and be protected, better protected from Mayhem like me. And then every time they ask the question, are you in good hands, right? Um, it's a good question. Are you in good hands? It's a great, good question not only when it comes to insurance, but when it comes to life. And so this is where, of course, my mind was going when I read this, uh, this passage that talks about hands. Like, whose hands are we in? Are they uh, strong hands, capable hands? Can they catch us when we fall? Can they help carry us through tough times? These are the questions Uh, some of the questions that come out of today's text. So let's pray. Almighty God, through your Son, you've overcome death and opened up the light of eternity. God, we ask that you would meet us here in word and spirit and speak to us in ways that help know you more. Amen. Here we go. John 10, 22 to 30. Spot all the places where the hands are. And some of them are, they're not in the, you'll get it. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe. Because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The word of the Lord. So it's winter time. Uh, it's cold. Jesus is at the temple. They're celebrating now what we call Hanukkah, celebrating uh, the hands that had freed their ancestors from their enemies and rededicated the Jerusalem temple. And Jesus is walking in this portico of Solomon, the porch of Solomon. It is an area that had massive walls offered teachers in the temple, probably the best protection from the elements. And Jesus is walking around. He's trying to stay warm. He's walking around teaching on the move. When he's literally stopped in his tracks, he's encircled 
by, in a really threatening manner and interrogated with this burning question that these particular Jewish leaders uh, wanted a straight yes or no answer on. They're tired of Jesus' stories and parables. They're tired of having to use their brains, having to think. They don't want to think. They're tired of reading between the lines. They're looking also, this is fascinating, they're also looking for something to do with their hands. Our reading stops at verse 30, because that's the way the lectionary goes. Verse 31 tells us what they were doing with their hands. They were searching for stones to stone him with. That's what they're doing with their hands. They encircle him to kill him. Their hands are searching for stones to hurl at him, all dependent upon the answer to this question that they want to know, are you or are you not the Messiah? And so it's Jesus' identity that's been an, that is at issue here, and we also just note that Jesus' identity has been an issue for quite some time in the Gospels. This is normal. Um, I don't think that Jesus was the good shepherd that they were looking for. Look, they'd rather have somebody else. They didn't have Jesus in mind as the one that could do the job, and so their hands are ready to kill. Now they're asking a question of identity, but what does Jesus say? He just says, look, I've already answered your question multiple times. And Jesus says that he's answered it multiple times in multiple ways, that he's answered their question in both word and in deed. They're not satisfied with his answer. Now you think about a stoning. It takes a little while to set one up. Maybe they need to buy a little more time and they ask Jesus this question. You have to find and select the perfect stone for throwing. You have to decide, are you going to grab just one? Or are you going to grab multiple stones? And then the most important thing is in the group, the group has to decide who's going to be the one that throws the first one. Because a stoning is like popcorn in hot oil. One person decides to throw that first stone and it's game on. And so while their hands are literally searching around, trying to grab stones, Jesus says that it's the work of his hands that he'd already shown them who he was. The miracles that his hands had performed, they've already demonstrated that he's the Messiah, but they refused to believe Jesus' words. They refused to recognize these works, these miracles, because they were not his sheep and they did not recognize his voice. And so, of course, we say only with the eyes of faith can we see Jesus for who he really is. And I find it fascinating that when I read this, that Jesus' words and his works, they actually held no persuasive power over those religious leaders who were searching for stones. didn't work on them. And so if the religious leaders who are grasping for stones don't belong to Jesus' flock, you have to ask a pretty good question, like who, who does? What are the characteristics of those who belong to Jesus? And so John, in this passage, he never uses the word church, uh, but it's certainly implied, and he lists some characteristics of Jesus' sheep, those who belong to him, those who belong to the flock, those who belong to and are a part of his church. And essentially, what I think he's doing is offering this open invitation uh, for people to join, join his flock. And so the description that John gives of those who join his flock, I just jotted them down to keep them real easy. Um, first, who, who are these people? What are the characteristics of those who belong to Jesus' flock? Jesus says these things that come out of this passage. They hear and recognize Jesus' voice. They're people that not only is Jesus getting to know, but they're people that are getting to know Jesus. It works both ways. 
They're people who are starting to walk with, is the scriptural language, to walk with and follow Jesus. They're people who receive deep and lasting life from Jesus, and they're people who are forever safe in the hands of Jesus and the Father. These are the characteristics that just come out of these few short verses. And like, people, does anyone know sheep? Anyone like been around sheep a bunch? They're not dumb animals. Like they have a reputation for being dumb, but they're not dumb. Um, like most of our pets, they know who feeds them, they know who protects them, they know who takes care of them, and they can distinguish their keeper's voice from the voices of all other people. You know that they won't follow a stranger? They just won't do it, because they know the shepherd's voice when they hear it. And they get kind of a bad rap, right? Like lambs are conditioned to follow the flock. Like when I was a kid, I think, you know, I used to hear like, do you want to be a follower or do you want to be a leader? You know, people always used to say that. Um, and sheep get kind of a bad rap uh, for being followers, right? But there's a reason for that. It's their mechanism. It's their survival mechanism. They, they do well together. That's the way that they survive. So their instinct is to stick together. Um, they're lovers. They're not fighters. They're friendly, you know? And so they, they stay together. That's just what they do. They're, they're actually smart. They're not dumb. And so Jesus speaks of his flock. I think this one's kind of interesting. He speaks of his flock in the present tense. And so to me, little details like this are important, that his sheep are continually listening for his voice. They're hanging on Jesus' every word for life. They're learning to distinguish and to prioritize the shepherd's voice over all the other voices that are clamoring for their attention. And so this is one of the things that we do as Jesus' church. We gather every week on Sundays. We gather around the scriptures where we sit under and we listen for Jesus to speak to us today in word and in spirit. And so this gathering of the church for worship is about relationship. It's about belonging. It's uh, gatherings like this where we learn to get to know Jesus better. And Jesus meeting us here in this is trying to know and get to know us better. And so experience, of course, teaches us conversation is one of the keys to any relationship. The better we learn to listen, the better we get to enter into each other's lives. And so the good shepherd wants to know us and wants to be known by us. And so when we listen well, we become good conversation partners, good friends. We begin walking in companionship together, living life together. It's one of the great invitations of the Good Shepherd, this invitation to walk and live life together in community, to enter into a community with other people who are also listening for the voice of the Good Shepherd and then trying to follow. So the voice of the Good Shepherd is something that frees us to belong. And I find it fascinating that it, it doesn't say in order to belong that we have to uh, do this or that or believe this or that. The voice of the shepherd seems to say, you're already good enough to belong. You already belong. And the voice of the shepherd says, we're good enough. Anyone know what a sheep farmer is called? No? A pastoralist. Dale? Oh, yeah. A pastoralist, right? From where we get the word? Pastor, right? Now, a pastor is a local shepherd, not the good shepherd. Please don't mistake this guy for the good shepherd. Um, I know. <laughs> I didn't think we would have that problem. Um, and a pastor, right, is in charge of a local flock. One of the jobs of a pastor is to help their communities hear the voice of the shepherd and then to follow 
that voice. That's one of, that's like the biggest thing in the job description, right? To be reminding people of the gift of God's grace and forgiveness, reminding each other of this deep and lasting life that we receive from Jesus when we belong to his flock. This is what pastors do. And so in John's gospel, when the word life uh, is called a couple things, John calls it abundant and eternal. And so the question is, what is Jesus's prom- what does Jesus promise to those who belong to him? So I want to look real quick at exactly what Jesus said and then what Jesus didn't say. He said that once uh, he has a grip on us, that no one can snatch you away from my hand or the hand of the Father. It's an important promise. It says that we are in good hands. It's a promise of security, a promise not only for the future, but also a promise for the present. All right, now, I'm going to do a demonstration. Who wants to shake? Who's willing to shake my hand? Anybody? Dan. All right. So there's like two, two faux pas with handshaking. All right, so one of them, let's see. If, what does this communicate to you, Dan? If I shake your hand like that, what does that communicate? You're half engaged. Okay, so I just gave him the limp fish. Handshake, <laughs> handshake mistake number one, right? And it communicates that what I'm just. Uh, I, do you not, feel not paying attention to me? Not really paying attention. All right, good. Um, and what does this communicate? <laughs> You're in there. Maybe a little over. Okay. <laughs> little over eager. I would just say just super awkward. Okay, like that's the word I would use. Like when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was trying to teach me and my brother about the importance of a good handshake. So it's like stuff I remember from when I was a kid. And so he taught us, of course, you look a person in the eye, you always shake with a good firm grip, but you don't, you don't give the limp fish. Because uh, it, it, what is it? It just communicates. It's like a pet peeve of mine, right? It communicates that the other person is not in good hands, right? Um, not in strong or capable hands. But then you've got the other one, the super awkward one, the, for the death grip on the hand and the over-staring. Oh, man. So I, I thought about this because uh, Rick Lee and I, years ago, were this kid, uh, former student that we used to work with, was graduating from college, and he asked like, Rick and I to come and help him with like, working through the interview process. Like, this kid had to get a job. And so what we learned about him, which we already knew, um, he offered up a limp fish every time. And we're like, and he made poor eye contact. And we're like, okay, we, these two things got to go. Like, you got to give a good firm handshake, right? Look someone in the eye. Um, that lets them know that if they hire you, they're going to be in good hands. Now, today, just so you know, we, we taught him well. Um, he does both these things really, really well, and he has a job. <laughs> so it worked. Um, and so I was thinking about, like, I'm like, all right, what movie? Here's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger, right? Um, you, you, you want to be in good hands in this situation right here. Um, and what hands could possibly be better than Sly Stone, right? Um, Jesus' promise says that both he and God have a good, strong grip. God's grip strength communicates that when we belong to God's flock, we're in the best hands, better than all state. Hands that don't let go once they've grabbed on. God's grip is the strongest bond in heaven and earth. And so I think it's also important, though, to communicate and be honest about what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say that belonging to his flock and being held by these strong, capable hands would mean that our, li- that our lives would be free of pain and suffering. We know, we know that. Jesus doesn't say that. And so all of us at times have felt unprotected, 
by life's hardships. Those Allstate commercials, they're trying to be funny. They're just funny ways of saying that bad stuff happens, that mayhem is real. Uh, a question that I've been asking myself is, like, with whom do I feel safe? Who am I safe with in my grief and doubts and sorrow and celebration? Who am I safe with in my joys and dreams and my hopes and accomplishments? Uh, but also in challenges and fears and concerns. In whose hands am I truly safe? And so these questions help me reflect, which is nice. Mother's Day helped me reflect on my family, my own mom and dad, my family, uh, immediate family, Katie and the girls who love me for who I am. Uh, it caused me to reflect and celebrate on friends, good friends, who celebrate with me, who walk with me uh, when times are good and when things are not so good. It caused me to be grateful for the church community that walks alongside me as well, alongside of each other, free of judgment. These, uh, this is like what the church can be, and Jesus is inviting us into these, uh, these community relationships gathered around the Good Shepherd. Now, I've come to the conclusion that Christ's resurrection for me means safety from anything in our lives that tries to overwhelm hope. This is something that I've been thinking about. And it reminds me that the Good Shepherd is completely committed to our well-being, as a sheep, and that nothing changes that fact. There was one Bible commentator who actually said it really well. He said that Jesus' teaching about never being plucked from his hands is not that believers will be saved from all earthly disaster, but that they will be saved no matter what earthly disaster may befall. That's good stuff. And we're given these gifts of hands, the hands of family and friends, the hands of the church that hold our own hands in times of joy and sorrow. We enjoy the good, strong grip of the Father and the Son that disciples of Jesus can and should find deeply assuring that in life and death we belong to Jesus. And finally, what do we do with our own hands? As we know, our hands can be used to pick up stones they can be used in service of others in the kingdom of God. They can be used to hurt or to help. They can make fists or they can be open. They can be threatening. They can be harmful. They can be humble. And I wonder if one appropriate response might be to willingly put down those stones, the ones that we pick up, the ones that could be used for harm, instead, we use the hands that we have to praise God who has secured our salvation and offered us this abundant life, to use those hands to serve the world that God loves. In short, we use our hands to point others, point the world to the Good Shepherd in both word and in deed. And today, we affirm at the end of the scripture that just said, that Jesus and the Father are one. We affirm that today on Good Shepherd Sunday. We worship this God who is holding us securely, keeping us, walking with us through all of life's ups and downs. In response, maybe we just willingly drop any of those stones that we've picked up along the way. The ones that we carry around waiting for the right occasion to use them. And instead, we raise our hands in celebration that we belong to Jesus' flock that we're loved for who we are, and that the scripture promises that nothing can separate us from that love. So we finish where we started. Are you in good hands? Happy Good Shepherd Sunday to you, 
and happy Mother's Day to you. Relax in the assurance that we are all safe and secure in the best possible hands, the hands of the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Good Shepherd, teach us to follow you, to care for all that are close to us, to protect those who are threatened, to welcome those who are rejected, to forgive those who are burdened by guilt, to heal those who are broken and sick, to share with those who have little or nothing, to take time to really know one another and to love as you have loved us. Good Shepherd, teach us to follow you, to spread your compassion to those who are far away, to speak for those who are voiceless, to defend those who are oppressed and abused, to work for justice for those who are exploited, to make peace for those who suffer violence, to take time to recognize our connectedness and to love you as you have loved us. Good Shepherd, teach us to follow you and to be faithful to your calling, the calling that you've given us, to be shepherds in your name. Amen. Amen.